Good to see everybody here today. I'm thankful that you stayed for class. We had a good number today considering how many sick people we've had. Got some people back. Miss Flo is back. Boy, it sure is good to see her back. And that's a great thing. We're in 1 Timothy chapter. We're going to begin chapter 5 today. 1 Timothy chapter 5. When we get to chapter 5 and we read the first two verses, that's primarily what we'll focus on today. It says, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all purity. When you get to that and you kind of think, why was Paul telling Timothy such a thing? Well, think back to, to what we've talked about. And I know it's been a long time, but... But when you begin the book of Timothy, Paul's, his main point in sending this letter to Timothy was 1 Timothy 3.15, so he knows how to behave himself in the church. So he knows how he's to act. But I want you to think about all the things that he's called him to do. Paul was intending to come and to be with him, but he's entrusting him to do a lot of different things. Timothy is at Ephesus, and there in Ephesus there's all kind of problems going on And he's entrusted Timothy to be able to deal with all of these different issues. There's tons of different issues that have arisen. And and therefore, Timothy is going to have to figure out what it is that he needs to do when it comes to all of those different things. He's going to have to deal with these problems. He's going to have to talk to people uh, that maybe have found themselves in sin. And and to do that, that's a difficult thing. That's a very difficult thing. Timothy himself, he was somebody that was a little bit timid, wasn't he? Paul had to continually encourage him, continually tell him, you know, hey, you can do this, you can fight, don't let people despise you because you're young. He goes on to tell him in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of, uh, of power and of a, a sound mind. So apparently... When Timothy's thinking about all these different things that Paul's entrusted him to do, he's a little bit afraid. And he's going to tell him, you've got to deal with all of these issues. And the first two verses of chapter 5, here's the attitude that you possess when you deal with these issues. So let's think about it. He's at Ephesus. At Ephesus, there were false teachers attacking the church. Now, if you're uh, a man, you know, not a real seasoned man. We accept Timothy's probably in his 30s, and you've got false teachers attacking at every corner. You think you're going to be nervous? Yeah. Yeah, and you're going to have to figure out how it is that you're going to have to handle this. Well, at Ephesus, Paul had told them there in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 29, men are going to arise among you, among the eldership, and they're going to do what? They're going to draw people away. They're going to teach things that are false. They're going to, you know, it's going to be like wolves not sparing the flock, all of these things, and it's going to come from amongst the leadership here at Ephesus. Well, here's a young man named Timothy, and Timothy is going to be charged if somebody amongst the eldership arises and starts teaching something contrary to the Bible, he's going to have to talk to them about it. How many of you want to do that? That's some hard things. Well, apparently there were problems with with women usurping authority because in chapter 2 of this letter, beginning in about verse 9, he's going to begin to tell Timothy all of these things. You know, women, they've got to be silent. They've got to not usurp authority. And he tells him 
why all of this has happened. Why would he tell him that? Well, apparently there's a problem. And this is a problem that he's going to have to address. So there's going to have to be ladies that he's going to have to talk to. And he's going to have to try to correct and bring back on the straight and narrow. All of these different things. Chapter 4, we just finished. He says people are going to depart from the faith. People are going to quit church. Well, what about this morning's lesson? Man, that was a great lesson. People are going to quit church and you're going to have to go talk to these people because they've got offended or, or they followed somebody else's teaching and you've got to handle that. Man, that is, that's a load, isn't it? That is a huge load, especially for a man that, uh, that is a little bit timid, that is a little bit unsure of himself. And just to be honest, how many of us like that? If the Apostle Paul wrote you a letter and says you need to handle all of these issues, how many of us are going to say, yep, I'm ready to go? Sign me up. Where do you want me to go first? Not what we're going to do, is it? We're going to be a lot the same way as Timothy. We're going to be a little bit scared. We're going to be a little bit worrisome. Maybe we've got some anxiety. We're going to find out in this chapter, Timothy's got some stomach troubles. You think maybe the stomach troubles came from all of this stress? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say Possibly, right? All of this stress and pressure mounting upon him. But here's what I want us to see. Sometimes we look at this and we say, Paul is telling Timothy, and, I, and we'll get to these two verses here in a little while, but I, I want to think about the bigger picture. Paul is telling Timothy, you, you've got to correct all of these people. You, you've got to not rebuke an older man harshly. You've got to talk to those young men. But is that just the preacher's job? You ever consider that? Is that just the preacher's job? Sometimes that's what we say, right? Why do we say that? Well, that's what we pay him for. And another reason is it's easier. It's easier to pass the buck on to somebody else, isn't it? It's a whole lot easier to just say, oh, that's what we pay him for and that's his job and, and just let him take care of it and, and really it's none of my business and I'll just stay over here to the side. Now, that's just passing the buck. That's just trying to get out of it yourself. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, brethren, listen to this. What's that first word? Brethren, he says, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. That verse does not say preachers. If somebody needs correcting, is that a preacher's job? Most definitely. Is that an elder's job? Most definitely. But the verse says, brethren. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, listen to this again, ye which are spiritual, restore him. Who are the ye which are spiritual? Uh, all of us, right? All of us are the people that, that are under consideration here. In James chapter 5, 19 and 20, and I, I'm going to use my phone this morning because it's so much quicker to go to these verses. The Bible says, brethren, listen to this again, there's that word. Brethren, if any of you wander from the truth and someone turns him back, look at that again. Brethren, it doesn't say preacher, it doesn't say elders. Brethren, if any of you wander from the truth and someone, doesn't say preacher or elder, someone. If somebody in this congregation wanders from the truth, whose job is it to bring them back? Just somebody else here, right? Somebody else here. If somebody needs correcting in this congregation, whose job is it to correct them? Just someone here. Just someone here. And, 
And James says, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of a way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. He says, that is your job as Christians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there's a man who, who had his uh, father's wife and the church. They, rather than mourn about that situation, they were puffed up. They were doing nothing about it. But who did the Apostle Paul charge with dealing with the issue? Did he say anything about a preacher? He talks to the whole congregation. He said, this whole church needs to deal with this issue. He says, don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? If there are people that are left unchecked, uncorrected, the Apostle Paul says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. When Achan, in the book of Joshua, took of the accursed things, who suffered because of that? Somebody tell me, was it just Achan's family? The whole nation of people. The whole bunch. Why? Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And it's our job as people to deal with that. It's our job to, to, to do things to try to, to cut that off and not allow it to happen. But here's the deal. How many of us like confrontation? I'll wait for your hands to go up. We don't like confrontation, do we? Not, nobody, well, maybe I know a few people I think that do like confrontation, but very, very few. Most of us, we don't like that. We, we don't want to get up in anybody's business, and we don't want to, you know, to hurt somebody's feelings, and, you know, we don't want to do all of those things. We don't want to have to ask somebody the hard things. I, I always hate doing that, and, and, you know, if I have to do that, I've got those butterflies in my stomach and all that just like anybody else. But here's the thing. I'm not talking to the whole world this morning. I'm talking to Willow Avenue. Do we have issues at Willow Avenue that we need to deal with? Do we have people that need to be talked to? Do we have pews that are empty? And it's not been long since I said this. Do we have pews that are empty this morning that used to be filled? Yeah. What are we doing about it? You said, that's your job. Y'all look at me. That's your job. That's what we pay you for. Okay. I, I try to do part of that. Well, that's Don's job. That's what we pay him. That's the well, go back to these verses that we've talked about. It's all of our jobs. It's all of our jobs to work together to try to, to solve these issues. Man, we've had, I've been here three and a half years, and from the time I've been here, we were almost 500 people on Sunday morning. And now we had 360 this morning. But we've had a large turnover too, hadn't we? We got a lot of new people. We got a lot of people that are not here anymore that used to be here. Where are all the people? Do you know? Do you know who's left in the last three months? Who's left in the last month? Do we know? Is that a fair question? How many times have you heard the story? Somebody left and maybe finally somebody talks to them and they say, you realize not one person's reached out to me. Not one person has asked where I've been. I've had people tell me that several times. You reach out, hey, man, we've been missing you. What, I mean, what can we do? What's going on? You're the first person that said anything. That should never be said of a congregation this side, this size. You realize when Cain and Abel were there and Cain had killed Abel, and I've told you guys this before, and God asked Cain, where's your brother? Cain was a smart aleck with God. I don't know how any other way to put it. 
He says, am I my brother's keeper? Do we have that attitude sometimes? If I ask you, what about the people that used to sit around you and they're not here anymore, where they're at? Are you going to, in essence, say the same thing? Well, am I my brother's keeper? Is that my job to do? I'm going to tell you this morning, yes. Yes, that's your job to do. And that's my job to do. So get to doing it. And, and that's what this class is about. And, and we may not finish, and that's okay. But what's the reason, what's the hindrances that keep us from doing those things? Number one reason that we don't do those things is fear. Is fear. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. The Bible says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Fear of man brings a snare. If you're afraid of a man and a man is going to get upset at you, offended at you, or whatever, God says it simply just brings a snare, a trap. That's all it does. It's going to hurt you. Ezekiel says if we don't warn people, what happens? God says, I'll require their blood at your hand. But if you warn them, they don't listen. That's on them. But the point is we've got to warn them. But we are afraid to warn them. We are afraid of rejection. We are afraid of hurt feelings. We're afraid of, and, and most of the time we dream it up in our minds, don't we? You ever do that? You think, man, if I ask them about this, they're going to say this, 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 and this. And sometimes you ask them and they say, well, I appreciate you checking on me. I appreciate it. And sometimes our greatest fears turns out to be absolutely nothing at all. So you see, fear always stands in our way. But we've got to understand and realize We've got to learn to fear God more than we fear other men. Do we get that? We have got to learn to fear God more than we fear other men. And until we do that, we're not going to get this thing. We're not going to get it, and we're not going to do better at it. We've got to fear God more. What about laziness? I don't know any other way to put it than just be blunt. Sometimes are we just lazy? I'll raise my hand. Sometimes I am because, you know, you just think, ah, again, Somebody else do that. I don't really have time. I'm busy. I'm tired when I get home from work. And, you know, maybe we're just apathetic. And ultimately, we just, you know, it's just not any of my business. And I really don't, you know, I just don't want to nose into it. And if you were going down the road somewhere and you saw me on a boat and you knew 100 yards down the river there was a 100-foot waterfall and I had my back turned and I was just eating me a sandwich or something, I, I don't know. What would, what would you do? That's none of my business. Just let him go, right? You probably would if it's me. If it's somebody you like, somebody you like, what would you do? You'd turn that car around, wouldn't you? You'd go back. You'd be blowing the horn. You'd be trying to get their attention. You'd be calling on the phone. What if you come by and, and you saw somebody's house was on fire and there was smoke coming out the upstairs window? Would you say, that's ah, none of my business? You know, it's none of my business, and I just really I just want to stay out of it. Of course you wouldn't do that. If you saw one of these little children running out here toward Willow Avenue, what are you going to say? That's not my child. That's not, that's, that's really not my business. Again, we understand all that, don't we? That's easy. But why is it when it comes to what we're dealing with this morning, we say, hey, really, I don't want to get involved. It's none of my business. If there's danger involved and you can keep somebody out of danger, oh, what is that? That's good, right? James, what did James say in James chapter 5? If we, we what? We, we pull people out of the fire. We save them. We can save somebody from losing their soul simply by maybe sending a text. 
You realize, you say, no, that can't, a text can't have that much impact on somebody's life. Yeah, it can. A text at the right time can have that much impact on somebody's life. Because people are always going through difficult situations, issues, whatever it may be, and it's our job to not be, number one, fearful, number two, not be lazy and apathetic, number three, sometimes it's a misuse of Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, I can't say something to somebody, I, I can't judge them, I can't judge them. How many people you think take that verse and they twist it and, and a lot of times I think they do it to get out of doing anything? Honestly. I can't judge them. Well, that brings me to the fourth one. Relativism. What about people that, you know, have this whole idea of today of maybe what they're doing is right to them? You know, and everybody's got a different opinion of what is right and wrong and you know, I, who am I to say that what they're doing is wrong? Does God have a standard of right and wrong? At the end of the book of Judges, what did the people do? There was no king in Israel, and everybody did what? What was right in his own eyes. How did God feel about that? Wasn't very happy with it, was he? God's still not very happy with it today. Maybe it's the whole idea of we're just not sure what to do. You ever felt that way? Maybe you've got somebody in mind right now, and you know they're going through whatever difficult time, and, and, and you're very concerned about their, their soul, and, and maybe you're just not sure what to do. Maybe you're not sure if it's the right time to say something, or you're not sure maybe exactly how to say it, or when to say it, and are those fire things? Yeah, those are things I think you always need to consider. But here's the thing, sometimes you can wonder till the day you die, whether or not you might ought to say something. Sometimes that's just an excuse. Sometimes. We always need to consider those things, but sometimes we just need to uh, bite the bullet and just go ahead and say something. Now, let's not take that to extreme. We don't want to be the church police either, do we? You know, we don't want to be the person that's always out and they're looking for every little minute thing and they've got their you know, quick draw McGraw here, their hands on both their six shooters, and just any time somebody does something wrong, they're going to get you. We don't want to be that. We don't want to take it to that extreme, but we also want to be on the lookout for each other. We want to try to help each other. Well, how do we prepare for that? How do we prepare? I said Matthew 7 once, taken out of context. We want to, to not be judgmental, and I don't want to be judgmental, and I know you don't want to be either. Well, how do, we, how do we handle that better? How do we prepare for that better? Well, in that same passage of Scripture, he goes on to talk about its standards that we set, and he talks about having a plank in our own eye, doesn't he? If you want to prepare to maybe try to help other people to correct things in their life and, and really truly help them out, first you need to see the planks in your own eye. If you can be honest with the things that you struggle with with people, I have often found that people will accept that more. People will always accept that more. When I stand up and preach any kind of lesson and I come down hard on anything, I always try to say the same thing. This is hard for me too. I don't have it figured out. I'm not a master of anything. And so if we're going to prepare to maybe try to do a better job at reaching out, we need to see the plank in our own eye. And Jesus says if we'll see the plank in our own eye and we'll understand that and we'll strive, strive to remove that, we can more easily 
help our brother get the speck that's in his own eye. So we've got to always see ourselves first. You realize salvation, we talked about this last week, it always begins with us. We can't help other people to become a Christian. We can't help them to be a faithful Christian unless we first focus on ourselves. And I'm not saying be selfish, but people's going to know whether or not you're real or not. So you've got to always do that. Number two, if you're going to prepare for this correction, you've always got to get both sides of the story. How many times in your life have you heard one side of the story and you make a judgment? What happens? You hear one side, somebody tells you something about somebody, and you say, oh, that is horrible, and I can't believe that, and la, la, la. You know the Bible has something to say about that. Proverbs 18, verse 13 Bible says, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. If you make your whole assumption, your whole uh, basis of what you're going to believe on an issue that is arising, before you hear the whole matter, well, it's folly and it's shame. The Bible says, verse 17 in Proverbs 18, the first one to plead his cause seems right. Isn't that natural? You hear one side of the story. Man, that seems right. Well, until his neighbor comes and examines him. You hear the other side, sometimes you change your opinion. So if we're going to prepare to take care of this, we've got to hear the, the, both sides of the story. We've got to be wise. We've got to be wise. How, how do we gain wisdom? James chapter 1, verse 5, we pray for it. And God gives wisdom to all uh, liber liberally. We've got to always approach it uh, with wisdom. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, the Bible says, without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Be wise. Be wise. If there's an issue that, that comes up here, and maybe you know somebody that's, that's got themselves in a bad situation, maybe the wisest thing to do would be to sit down and decide, who needs to talk to this person? Could it be that the wrong person could say something? Yeah. And we need to realize that. Maybe you're not the person to say something, and don't always use that as a scapegoat to get out of it, but be wise. Maybe, you know, if it's a lady, maybe it's better if my wife asks and talks to her, maybe rather than me. Maybe whatever, but again, use wisdom. And finally, the right motives. The right motives in this is, is everything. Because if you are going to face this and try to help correct people in the wrong spirit, with the wrong motive, not going to work. Jesus says the two greatest commands are number one, love God, number two, love your neighbor. If those aren't your motives, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If your motives is to try to get somebody in trouble, to try to just pick a fight, to just try to gossip or, or stir up drama, whatever it might be, and it's not because you love God and you love your neighbor, you got the wrong motives and you're going to mess up. Well, how do we perform it? We've got just a few minutes. Well, Paul tells Timothy, he says, don't rebuke, don't rebuke anyone harshly, especially not someone that's older. Show some respect. Listen, you can come up and you can tell me about anything you want to if you'll say it in the right way. You'll be kind to me and you'll be humble, you know, and you'll be patient and respectful. You can say whatever you want to. It may hurt my feelings. I may not like what you've got to say, but if you say it in the right way, I promise you I'll listen to it and I'll receive it. 
But if you come up and you tell me I'm a sorry, no good, low down, good for nothing, and I did, I'm probably not going to like it very good, am I? That's exactly what he's talking about. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that to an older man. Don't do that to younger men. You treat people like they're your family. Well, sometimes that would backfire on us. Sometimes we treat our family worse than anybody, right? But in all seriousness, he says, treat them out of love and respect. Treat them because you truly want the very best for them. I mean, we may fight with our families, but ultimately, we want our families, we want them to go to heaven, don't we? We want them to go to heaven more than anything else. So, And our motives are pure and right. Even though we may fuss and fight, we need to do the same with each other. We need to do the same. He talks about women and older women. You treat them like you would your mama. Don't talk to her like you would talk to a dog. Talk to him like you would your mother that you love and respect. Younger women, he says, treat them again with respect and honor. He says, especially when it comes to women, do this with purity. Do this with purity. If you're a man and you're going to approach a woman with a problem, he says do it with the right motives and make sure there's none of that funny business behind it. There's too much of that going on in the world. He says don't do that. I wrote down some words. If you're going to perform this, be kind, patient, loving, encouraging, respectful, humble, be direct and open, and be persistent. And if you'll do that, promise you we can solve a lot of the problems that we have with one another a lot of the problems we have within a congregation so i encourage you today look around some of these people that you've not seen in a while why don't you stop being afraid and approach it send some messages this evening make some calls this evening find out where people are at what's going on and you might be surprised at how much good you can do i appreciate your attention